Well, we're glad you're with us today. And um, I'll say this at the end. I know. I think Brent's already said that. Boy, please be, please be praying as we always do about the elections and be sure and vote if you already haven't voted. And, uh, you know, I study a lot about what goes on in different countries and all the things that we see happening around the world. And we're just so blessed to live in a land of freedom. And I, I just, it's, it's hard to imagine, I think, sometimes when we've grown up in that. And uh, one of the ways we know that we never take that for granted is that we go vote. And so I just ask you to do that uh, this week and pray for it if you've already have voted. So let's pray. Jesus, we're just so grateful today that we can come, Lord, all of us with different, <clears throat> Lord, just different things <clears throat> that are on our hearts today. And Lord, we just come from so many different areas and it always, Lord, truly humbles and amazes me how that is your word is so powerful that it may just be one verse, one word, one prayer that encourages someone today that came with a discouraged heart. The Lord just needed direction. So, Father, we are thankful today that we've come to worship you. And, Lord, use your word. Speak through me, Lord. Forgive me in anything in my life so I might be used as a vessel. Lord, just to touch hearts today, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles to the, uh, to the Old Testament, to the, uh, <clears throat> to the book of Nehemiah. And, you know, Nehemiah is one of those books in the Bible that there has been a lot of, of books um, written about the book of Nehemiah. Because if you study the Old Testament, you'll see Ezra and Nehemiah really could be one book. And Ezra is really the priest, Nehemiah being the governor uh, at one time of Jerusalem, and how that it, it came together when the king gave them permission to go back to rebuild their city, Jerusalem, which was completely rubble from war. And it just sat there for years uh, like that. And think about it. I want you to think about that when it comes to your life or your family or a situation that you know that you're a part of that you just look at it and you think it's rubble. <laughs> you know, what, could, what could be done with this? It always takes a person. It always takes a person that God is willing to use that can change a situation, a family, or a nation. It takes you, it takes me, it takes someone to step up and say, I'm going to make a difference. Nehemiah was that person. His forerunner even before him was Ezra. And they decided to go back that they would, they, they would rebuild their homeland. As they were going back and doing all this, there's just so much to say. I don't even believe I can do justice by talking about them rebuilding Jerusalem. The Bible says the walls of Jerusalem were complete rubble complete rubble for years, their homeland. And when they went back to rebuild it, the miracle took place. It says it only took 52 days to rebuild the walls. We know what happened. The temple was inside the walls and where they could worship and, all, and how they were the rebuilding of the temple. All this goes with that. But I want to say this to you. I want you to know if you're willing to believe, we're going to look at the word in just a minute. I want you to grasp this day. If you're willing to believe in your life 
and you look at it, you say, man, I don't, I don't know, Dallas, this and this and this. You take a deep breath and say, man, I don't know how long it will take to fix all this. I want you to know if you turn over to the Lord, the miracle is the Lord is going to fix it much quicker than you could ever think if you're willing to believe that. As we look at God's word today, you know what's missing in our society a lot? And I want to talk about this morning message is, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask this question, especially in the news and so forth, or, or people anywhere in society. How much do you see people smile? You know, I think just being a witness today for you and I, just being a witness in public today is just just smiling, you know, to the gas station or at the grocery store or, or at the office or wherever you're at. People are, there, there's no joy there. The Bible tells us what you're going to look at, which the people of Israel had forgotten, the children of God showed The joy of the Lord, this is you and I today, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's look at where it says that in God's word in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter Chapter 1, I'm sorry, Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. You know, I, I was thinking about one of those times in my life that is ingrained. You know, all of us had this time in our life. You might have five of those times to say, what are you getting at, Dallas? You might have five of those times in your life or my life where, you know, you just couldn't quit laughing. You ever had, you know, there's just one of those times when you always think about that certain situation and that person that was there with you or that, that something happened with your kids. You just couldn't quit laughing. One of those times I can go back, it's got to be uh, probably, I don't know, 20, uh, at least 28 years. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, well, Stefan was, it's uh, another McDonald's story for you, okay? But uh, <laughs> this is how far it goes back with me and the kids. Stefan, our youngest, 30-something now, must have been, I think he was two and a half. And Novella, which is our middle child and Alexis, the oldest, but Novella was about four, four and a half or five. She used to, she used to especially when we'd travel back up here once or twice a year, we actually, it was, before I get in trouble for that now, she actually had like a, a dog leash and she would, we, she would like put the leash around Stefan because we couldn't, we couldn't keep control of him. And she's like four and a half, he's two, and she had him on a leash. Well, it was okay. <laughs> and wherever we are in the airport, people are like, you know, what's going on? And she's just got the leash holding on to him, you know. <laughs> anyway, so, so I come home one night, and I had another job beside the church down there. I had a lawn service job and landscaping and so forth. So I come home, and, you know, you're tired, and you're trying to do all these things. you got a young family. Everything's going on. And, uh, and they're talking, you know, when little kids talk, they can't hardly say, you can't hardly kind of understand what they're saying. And so we had one of those, if you've ever had them, those little tykes houses. You remember those little tykes? They're like a little plastic, this plastic house, and the doors kind of fly open. And then the one side has like a little window on it, you know? So I come home, and, uh, and Novella and her voice, and Stefan, and Daddy, Daddy, you know, come over. You got to see this. You got to see this. You know, and Stefan had the fifth head. It's like a fifth, but he, he's trying to talk to me, you know, and say something. You know, Daddy, 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 you know, so he's talking. But he's so excited, he can't see. So next thing you know, I walk over, you know, and I'm standing there, and there, there's the house, you know. And I go, what you see this? What you see this? I go, okay, okay. <laughs> so Stefan goes inside. Okay, and Novella's on the outside, and she's got one of those uh, little tyke, like little tyke. I don't know if it's a bike or whatever it is. And she's on the outside, 
and she's like a little, little further away and the house is over here. And all of a sudden she starts like driving up the house and he opens the side window, bam, it opens up. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, welcome to McDonald's. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she pulls up beside and goes, I'll take a Diet Coke. <laughs> and, and, and he goes, that'll be 50 cents. <laughs> And I look at this, and I'm thinking, is, if I, at their age, have I gone, they've seen me go through that many times, sitting in their car seats, they even know at the time, 23, they even know how much it was. And I, to this day, and we've got it on video somewhere, to this day, when I think about that, or I see little tight sounds like that, I think of that, and guess what does? It makes me laugh. You know what, what the, the Bible tells us, gives us a truth? about you and about me. It says laughter is like what we have today with our, with our doctors today and modern medicine. We're so thankful for, man, it's amazing what can happen today and how that you can go and, and, and the doctors and the nurses and all different things and how that you can be healed and modern medicine. But the Bible tells us that laughter is like medicine. It's like, it's his good medicine. It's like, so what does medicine do? Modern mess, what does it do? It heals you. What does medicine do for you and for me when it comes to laughter? Laughter heals your soul. When your soul is healed, God's word tells us in the, the little Johns in, in the New Testament, tells us that as your soul prospers, as your soul is healthy, your whole life can prosper. So, as that is a backdrop, we have this story in Nehemiah, the walls have been built. The Bible says there was so much a threat of war that they had their swords on them as they built the wall. The walls went up, the doors went on, the rebuilding of the temple. But all this time, and I really believe this is where we are today, all this time of being God's people, they have forgotten what really strengthens them. Were they doing, were, were they trying to live right? Absolutely. Were they even doing God's will? Absolutely. But God wanted to show them something which was so important, which they thought on one side was a negative, and God says, whoa, wait a minute. You're looking at this in the wrong way. It comes to you and to me today. We have the whole Bible. They had just a portion of it called God's Law, the first few books of the Bible. And Ezra, the, the, the priest, as the walls were finished, as everything went up and they were going to celebrate, let's see as we pick up the story, is now God has performed a miracle before them. He takes out the law and he's going to read it. Now, this is something that's interesting. You say, well, how can a priest at that time, if there was a million people or how many they had in that city, but if there's that many people, how can the person in the back hear what, what's being said? Well, what they would have, the priest would have many Levites or other priests that would help them, and then they would, they would read it, and then they would also read it, who were maybe back like in the back of our auditorium, would read it for another 500 people, then they would read it for another 500 people, another five. so it would be read, so everyone could hear what the word, God's word, was being said because they were listening to what God was going to tell them about themselves. This is us today when it comes to Nehemiah. 
Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn. Why were they mourning? Because they were hearing the word of the, they were hearing God's word being read to them. And they hadn't heard it for I don't know how long, but it had been a long time that they had been in a secure place to where God's word could be open and all of them could stand together and hear his word. They hear the word, it starts to convict them, it starts to get through to them. And the, the Bible tells us this day is a holy day to the Lord your God. Don't mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, just that first verse. You know, it should. When we open God's word up, maybe there's something going on in our life. The Bible says it's there to, to convict us. It's there to uh, speak to our soul. But it's also there to encourage us. Well, all they were delaying it do was convict them. I believe that many people that I grew up with, that I had my years that I was away from the Lord, but when I grew up in church, there was many people that I grew up with that went to church, church, and so many people at that time did 40, 50 years ago. Did a lot of the preaching, which was, I'm not getting down or whatever, but fire, hell, fire, and brimstone. There is a heaven, there is a hell. There's no question there is an eternity. And people went in one or the other. What's being preached today is not that truth. So what I'm here to tell you today, we preach the truth. But what I'm saying is we can get to the place to where we can preach a lot of feel-good message or we can preach a lot of hell and fire and brimstone message. God gives us a balance. They were being convicted because they were saying, oh, man, this is who we are. And the script, it was convicting them. You know, the word is there to convict us. But as I grew up, it was maybe, if I can say this, and not in a judgmental way, it was, it was, I want to be so careful, but to the place to where it was such fire and brimstone that, that you know, it, it was, you know, the, the more that you got beat up at church, the, the better you were supposed to feel leaving. I don't know. But what the Lord wants to do is have, a, there's a balance there. And I believe that many people that I know are not in church today. Do not follow the Lord today. Whether it was their parents, whether it was the church, whatever it may be, was there such a way that, I want you to get this, there was no grace. God's grace. God's grace gets us into heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. There's no way that we get there without the shed blood of Jesus. So don't get me wrong. We will preach the truth, and we will preach that there is a heaven and there and a hell. But if all you ever hear from your parents is that this is wrong in your life, you're going to get beat up. So Ezra, as the word was being said, and they begin to be convicted, he stops them. And he says, yes, you should think about your life. But then this is what he says. And this is what I want to encourage you today about the joy of the Lord is your strength. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions of those for whom nothing is prepared. In other words, they want everyone 
to have of this day of celebration. For this day is holy. It's still a holy day. The word is reverence. It's true. It's real. It's perfect. This is a holy day. We will reverence God's word. We will never, ever take it for granted. And we'll preach all of it. But he says, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, if you lost that joy, we could lose it real easy. What does it take? What does it take when it comes to, to having joy? The joy of the Lord. To know that as the Bible convicts you, God's word, at the same time, the Lord also wants to encourage you that he'll work through whatever it is that we've failed or we need help. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I was ta talking to someone one time, and I thought, I'm always saying, what is, if this is what I need to preach Sunday or this is what needs to happen, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? You say, if the joy of the Lord is my strength, what is that? Well, let's look at another verse. Let's look at Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11. Psalm 16 and verse 11. You, meaning God, you will show me the path of life. And your presence is fullness. Here it is, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You will show me the path of life. You know what is the amazing thing about Jesus with us? He'll never push himself on you. He'll never make you, he'll never make me get up, show up here today. He won't do that. See, this is what's so encouraging about all of you being here today. I, I couldn't get you here today. I couldn't do whatever. And I, I'm so careful that we never do as a, as a church fellowship, a city, city church, we never do gimmicks. Okay, you see what I mean? Well, we never do like certain things to where, you know, we're going to have this son in, you know, we're going to have the most famous person or whatever that we know out there. They're going to come speak. Or we're going to do this. And everybody here... I just want to be careful because I've seen this in other churches. Hey, we're all going to, we're going to, all of you are going to get $5 and we want you to give it away this week and, and see what that does, you know, and, or we're going to have a Sunday where nobody shows up here. We're going to have go to church through the week Sunday. In other words, you don't go to church here. You're going to just go on Sunday and you're going to talk to your neighbors about it. I, I don't, I just want to be careful that I don't believe in all that. I, I want us to know that there's a, there's just a way it's like working out if you've ever worked out. You know, the depressing thing about working out is you can work out hard and you can stay in shape and you can do whatever you want to do. You can work out hard for three or four years. I mean, you can really work out hard. And all of a sudden, some hams, you don't feel good and then you're tired and then things. Three weeks later, you're where you were about three years ago. But here's what I love, what I heard a guy say who, who I love this, what he said about what, why people don't go back to working out. And he said this, is, is a person, is a trainer and, a, and a, a, a professional athlete, a bodybuilder, you're saying this, always remember, it's the most important thing if you work out, if you stop for a while or something happens, Mem muscle has memory. Muscle has memory. 
So you and I have to know that wherever you are or whatever it's taking place, I want you to know that God has given you the way that you can go back to his word and maybe you're going some way that you should be. You can go to this word and you can stop right now on a path. And what is so amazing about the Lord is you can be on the wrong path and you don't have to say, you know, man, what do I got to do to get over on the right path? You could just like, you know, uh, I, I don't know how, even how to explain it, like the Star Trek movie, boom, you just, you know, I, whoever used to beam them up, you know, I forget the guy's name. Is it Scotty? Is it Scotty on the Star Trek? Is that who used to beam them up? Bam, you know, you're beamed up, you're on the right path, right? You don't have to like, oh, man, what do I got to do to, you know, I know I'm going down this road and uh, I'm going to make a decision. And right at that point, the Lord says, you're on the path with me. What does the Lord say? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay, you're going to get strong when you have joy. How do you get joy? Okay, we're on his path, but what has to happen? Look what it says in the second verse. In your presence is the fullness of joy. You know, I'm going way back now, okay? I'm not going to tell you everything about whatever, but I'm going way back, and there are certain places that, that we would going to. I'm going to try and stay real vague here, but there's certain things we used to do and go used to do. I know I shouldn't have done, didn't do, but man, I tell you what, there were some bars that I just would not go in. And you know why? I, even where I was, I mean, I, you could just feel the evil coming out of that door when you would open. I mean, it's just like, guys, <laughs> I'm walking down a road, or I'm telling you, right, I am not going in there. And I wouldn't. Now, there, again, there's just a lot of stuff I'm not proud of. I did so. But what I'm saying is, is this. I know in there, whatever happened goes on in there, whatever trouble that I used to get in there, I mean, the Lord's not coming in there to get me. Now, you can say whatever you want to, but I'm going to be in some serious trouble. What I'm getting at you, if we're on that one path, we're in trouble. And we're going to face some serious ramifications. Yes, the Lord will get us out and he'll help us and get us on that right road. But what's the price we're going to have to pay to get there? Because there's some places that you and I know that you used to go or we go or maybe you still go that you know the Lord's not going to be there. On his path, when we decide again, in a second, you can decide to be, you can walk out and you can say, I'm never doing that again. And the Lord says, okay, good, I'm going to be there on his, on his path. When you decide to walk on his path, guess who's there? He is. And guess what's there? Joy. In his presence is joy. You might not even be on a path that maybe you're saying, you might, you might just be down. You might just be straight. You might, you know, whether your kids or your grandparents or health situation or, or other relationship that happened, and you're just discouraged. I don't know. But I know this. If you're trying to figure it out yourself, you're doing it. You're, you're on your path. His word. This is what it is right here. His word. When we read his word, this is where it is. You say, well, then Dallas, what exactly? What is the joy of the Lord is my strength? What exactly is it? What were, they, what were they doing at that time when Ezra, what was Ezra doing? He was reading them God's word. What do you and I have to do today in order to feel and experience his joy? 
And I don't want to get down on you, but we talk about this all the time. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. What is this presence? It's to take, how do you do that? It's to spend a few minutes every day right here. You know, the Lord knows everything. He, he knows so much about you. He, knows, he says he knows every hair on our head. He knows every little thing about us. Every, everything that you can think of, every molecule, every strand, everything that you're made up of, everything you get discouraged about, everything that you go through, all the things that you struggle with, everything you, make, you need to make a decision about, the Lord says, I'm, I'm going to, to give you joy. Now, that doesn't mean jumping up and down either. See, let's define that. Joy can also mean just peace. It means just like, hey, the Lord's got this. This is not my problem. Lord, I've given this to you, and I'm going to open your word up. You tell it instructs me. You're going to give me wisdom. You're going to guide me on, on my path. Because I, if I'm on the path I'm supposed to be, and I'm with you, Lord, and I'm in your presence, what do you tell me? We're going to talk about another verse. The Bible tells us God's word. Do you know what he does on our path? He always goes a little way down the path, and then he comes back and gets us. See, he knows exactly where you're headed. Now, when we're on our own path, everything that's out there can knock you down is going to knock you down. Because we cannot see, and I want you to get this, you cannot see. I cannot see into the spiritual world. I can't do it. But God says when you read his word, he gives you discernment. He gives you an inner peace. And it says he opens the eyes of your heart enough to where you're willing to wait or you're strong enough to know that he's going to work it out. And every time you need to make a decision, you're going to open this up and you're going to say, all right, I'm going to do this, which is our last verse. On his path is the presence of joy. Let's look at the last verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In verses 18 and 19. Now, it's interesting. Um, Paul and his followers were trying to get to a certain place. You know, they didn't get there. They didn't get to that certain place. You know what the Bible says? Because the devil hindered them. I don't completely understand all that. I'm not here to tell you that I do. And how the devil completely works and all the things that happen. But I know this. You all know and we've all experienced when you feel him hitting you. That being the case, the apostle tells us, what do we need? What are the, what are the one of the things that you and I have to do today that we need to do? We need to stay in his word to experience his joy. It's just that basic. Because when you, when you take a minute to read his word, you... It, God tells you, you are in his presence. And in his presence, he gives you joy. Part of that joy is knowing that my future, the Lord's got it handled. Verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope 
or joy or crown of rejoicing? What is, what is the pinnacle of joy? What's the greatest joy that we can have? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? You know, we're in certain stages of our life, things change. I'll never forget, probably, I'm going back, probably, uh, there was a, uh, let's see, probably eight years ago. Eight years ago, I was talking to this young lady, and uh, we were in Florida, and she was so discouraged. And, and young lady, she's in her 20s, loves Jesus, and, uh, you know, just wasn't dating, just wasn't, uh, Nothing was happening, and, you know, in her 20s, she wanted to go out. Nothing was going, you know, it just wasn't happening, you know. And, uh, and I knew her enough. She was like one of the daughters in our family, and she would talk to me some. We'd talk, and I said, listen, I called her by name. I said, I know how much you love Jesus, and you're in his presence. She goes, I know, I know. I said, I know that. She said, you have to convince me of that. She goes, and I said, I want you to listen to me with conviction and know that this is real because I'm telling you this to tell you that one of these days, because you love Jesus so much, you're going to look back on this day and the Lord's going to bless you and you're going to get married and you're going to have children and you're going to be so exhausted <laughs> that one of these days, you're going to remember this conversation that we had. I saw a picture of her not too long ago. She's got two kids now. She's happily married, and she's holding the one child. It's like she can barely keep her eyes open. <laughs> she's so exhausted. She's happy. She's in the Lord. But there was a time in her life. Now listen, I had to tell her and remind her of the promises of what the Lord had out there for a follower of Jesus that he doesn't lie. He always comes through. You stay in his presence. He never will void his word out. He will always give you his promises. If we are willing, which she was, and even a couple of years went by after that, and she still stayed faithful, but she stayed in the presence of Jesus, and God has blessed her life. Right now, you might feel like you're driving that car down the road in that sports car and you fly in second, third, and you get to click it into fourth gear. You know, all of a sudden hits your elbow and it slams over to neutral. And instead of going into fourth, you just feels like, what's going on? I, I, what happened to all the power? I just feel like, I, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on. This is what happens in our life. And all the time, the Lord's saying, you know, you're still going down that same road. You're on there with me. But if you get there, right, if you get there and slam it in the fourth year and you get there now, it's not going to work. You are not ready. And this is what the Lord wants us to know today. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Whatever it is in your life, in my life, whatever he's got going on, I, I don't know what it is for you. But I know this, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, in the presence of him, we get that joy and we get that peace. Don't wish your life away is what I'm saying because God's word is true and you know what it says our life is a vapor and God wants us to get to the place to 
to where, no matter how Satan tries to hinder us, no matter how he comes at us, the Lord just has another way. He'll just work it out. But he gives us one more promise here, and we're going to close. The last part of that verse, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? What a world we live in, huh? Boy, we just look at everything in the world. The Bible says one of the keys of the end days tells us in the book of Genesis will be the earth will be filled with violence. There's no question whether it's on a personal scale that we see one-on-one, we see all the horrific crimes we see taking place, or whether it's on a military scale, we see all the world, or we see on a moral scale with families. You know this in the last, little over in the last week, you know that I have talked with four different families that were busted up in, in just one week because of alcoholism. Four different families in a week. If you could go with me and see all the things that I see, our pastors and all the things that we hear, experience the hospitals, all the things that, it's just unbelievable. I remember I went to the psych ward down at Children's Hospital. A girl tried to take her life and she had been abused over and over and over again. And I thought, what am I going to say to her? What am I going to say when I go out and talk to this girl? Is there something that I can say that can encourage her? Because the, the hurt as a kid, I've never experienced that. I've never gone through what she's gone through. And she was in a lockdown up there. And uh, I think at the time she was 11 or 12. So I went up to talk to her, and she was sitting there with her. And I know this, you know, what happens when, when you're feeling so insecure. She was sitting in the chair, and she had her arms and her legs wrapped up in her arms. And she was just kind of shaking a little bit and looked at me. What can I do? All the joy that sucked out of her life. Sometimes I feel so inadequate. And I ask the Lord on an elevator on the way up, Lord, please give me the words to say. So what did I do? First of all, I just listened. We don't listen enough today. And I just let her talk a little bit about her life and what it had gone through and things that had happened. And all I could do is told her how much Jesus loved her. How much Jesus loved her. And share that with her with such conviction that whatever that she had gone through, instead of weeping, to some place that she could see my life, and so all I did was share about it. 
I began to talk to her. I saw she began to open up when she looked at me and said, well, everything's fine. And then I began to tell her that, how that I had lost everything in my, in my wife and all the things that happened through divorce and both my parents had died and all the things that I had gone through. And I said, I didn't know what I was going to do. She, she said, it's like, you know, she began to look at me like, well, I thought you, you know, could tell like she looked at me like I had my act together. But when she saw that I was real, and I wanted to get her to the place to see that she had hope. See, and that's all I could do. And I talked to her and prayed with her, and I left her with hope. I still pray for her some. I don't know where she is or what's happened. But I know this. I know this, that you're here today, and the Bible says one day is coming back. And if you and I are willing in our situation and to know Jesus, I see you, I feel your presence, I feel you here with me. And even though Satan's hindering me, I know you're here. And with you here with me, you love me more than anybody else does. And one day, you're coming back. And all this will be over with my family, with my loved ones, with my friends. I'm going to be with you forever. And in the meantime, Lord, the joy of the Lord, what you tell me is true. And you're real. And I know more than anything else, you're never going to leave me and you're never going to forsake me. And I'm here to tell you today, your circumstance, where you at, or your situation, you've been through something very difficult, but I want you to know Jesus is there. I want you to know the plan that he has for your life is so amazing, but I want you to wait for him because it's not time yet. And in the meantime, he will so fill you with his love and his peace that you'll have the joy deep, deep down to wait. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's pray. So our heads are bowed today. I don't want you to, to stop. I don't want you to think that things aren't going to change because with Jesus, all things, all things can work no matter what it is to his glory if you let him. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that he's been there for me. He never left me. And he'll never leave you because you're his child. So no matter how beat up, how broken, no matter what's happened, or maybe you're just not sure what's going to go on in the future, when you see him and you are with him in his presence, by his joy comes through his word. All I did today in your spirit was just remind you who you are in Jesus. You are his child. No matter how old you get, 
you're still his child. And he has this unbelievable plan and purpose. No matter what's happened in this life, the Lord says your future is a future of hope. Your marriage, your kids, your grandkids, your school situation, and then you fill in the blank. Father, you've given us hope. The joy that we have today is you, Jesus, in your presence, your word. The spirit so fills us, Lord, that it's the filling of your word that gives us strength. And when we're in your presence and we know you're working, that, Lord, we can wait. It's not easy, but, Lord, we know that that you have a plan. So, Lord, I pray that those that have been blessed that have come here today just to know anything else, you've got a plan for their marriage, their home, their personal life, their job situation. Jesus, it's all because of you that we have hope in our future. So, Father, you brought us here today to hear your word. As we've said before, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, they have to take that step of faith. And we give them this invitation today. If we invite them, Jesus, to know that they have hope in you, no matter what's going on, whether they're watching on YouTube or whether they come for today, if they've never, Lord, all they gotta do is pray, Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I ask you to come into my heart. I believe you shed your perfect blood on the cross for me. Forgive me, Jesus, for all of my sins. Father, if there's someone here today that's never done that, Lord, we ask you as Ben leads us in this closing song, we ask they come forward and accept you today. In Jesus' name, amen.